Welcome to the Financial Coconut Podcast Network, the leading personal finance podcast network in Singapore. I'm your host, Reggie, aka Your Chief Financial Coconut, and every Monday, you will be joining me, Eric Fung, and SG Budget Big Dawn on our weekly segment, Wise and Shine, where we leverage on the latest quirky happenings out there on the internet to answer many of your burning social and personal development questions. Yes, we all sick and tired of talking about money, so welcome back to Wise and Shine. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And also understand there are some personalities that is just an opposite. That means you need either you need to put a lot of effort because yeah. your perspective is just so different. Are you the exactly. make him a detractor? <laughs> <laughs> or basically you find another boss. <laughs> Welcome to Wise and Shine. I'm your host Reggie, aka Your Chief Financial Coconut. And I'm Dawn, Echi Budget Babe. Today we have a special guest on site whom some of you might tune into his podcast before yeah, he's one of podcasters. the biggest or yes. if not the biggest in that space but i'm not a tech person so i'm not going to go there i will let him introduce himself hey everyone my name is henry so if you listen to tech podcast maybe you have heard about this thing called tech lead journal mm-hmm. so i've been hosting it for about three years now 150 plus episodes nice how, how many listeners are we looking at i can't tell for sure uh, um but how yeah many followers do you have on spotify followers on spotify almost ten thousand, i think nice yeah. so nice the nice. biggest in its niche and mm, mm. in his audience it doesn't just uh, comprise of Singaporeans or Malaysians it is a very much international global audience still to nice. tune in into his podcast for tech insights and tips so if you are into tech you can go and check it out but if not let's come back to today's episode yeah. <laughs> So, no, but actually it is important for people to know his background as to why I invited him on the podcast, right? Because like as the tech lead, essentially you're leading, in other words, it's a middle manager, right? And managing a whole team of developers and engineers to try to get a product going, right? So that's why I, I got him on. Nothing to do with tech. <laughs> <laughs> it's all a management thing. And uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about today about the flattening of the middle manager, right? Is mm-hmm. there still a need for a middle manager like what is the future for managers right and uh, why are so many people struggling to be middle management so yeah that's the genesis right yep. yeah so nice. if you are anywhere in your late 20s if you're lucky or if not if you're in your 30s to 40s some even in your 50s you can probably relate as uh, most of the people in this age group would then be a middle manager in their roles but with tech coming up with the flattening phenomenon uh, happen could that role be gone so he's causing our problems <laughs> <laughs> that guys are optimizing those things away right okay, are they okay. optimizing away their own jobs okay. uh, let's find out yeah so may- maybe we can start like what is the bigger challenges of being a middle manager I think the definition is quite clear right middle manager that means like you're somewhere in the middle of the organization you don't make all the decisions you can make some decisions you just need someone else at the top to sign off but more often than not the person at the top will just sit that decision making 
writing process to you and below you, you have like a six to eight packs kind of small team, right? That is our yeah. definition of a so usually like middle a, manager. It could usually. be a team lead. Yeah. It could be a team manager. Yeah. Um, and you would be managing side teams and people under you of anywhere, usually less than 20. Yeah. Um, you're not a director. You're not a head of an entire department. At most, you're head of a team. It's one of many teams yeah. in that department yeah. or industry. Okay, very yeah. good. Very clearly defined. <laughs> so based on this, right, what is the struggle of the middle manager? Anyone wants to start? Yeah, I can start first. I mean, especially in the tech uh, world, right? Uh, or startups at, at least, right? So I think by the definition itself, you can tell middle means like in the middle. You are pressured from the top. You are pressured from <laughs> the bottom. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh my God. So that's always the first struggle. Because almost anything, right, if you want to go back to the team's delivery, you go to the middle manager. You don't go to the individual because you want to contact with just one person who is accountable, so to speak. And then the other thing is from the top, sometimes they have, you know, initiatives, OKRs, whatever you call it these days, goals, basically. And how to execute? Find the middle managers. <laughs> you get the other people to execute, right? So they are in between. The role is actually very, very important. But yes, as you mentioned, right, there's always a lot of challenges and struggle. And it's always in between these two kind of like two extremes, right? The people who do the work and the people who vision the kind of work. <laughs> I think the word vision very loaded. <laughs> vision, that means uh, no need to do one. Just think, uh, dream and tell the guys to do, right? Is, is, that, is that where, where we're going? Yeah, in a sense, yes. <laughs> I think the other struggle would also be that they are... The, they I hate the vision, guys. The... Just <laughs> Let me run. I really the vision of people. Middle manager, I think it also is that you are expected to hold a lot of the accountability. You are the one managing the team. But sometimes the problem, if there is a problem, is not really because of you, right? It could be that it was the on top of you who created that problem. Like maybe the instructions were not clear. Hence the team executed in certain way, but actually the top wanted it in this way. Then your middle manager, you convey the way that it was communicated, which it did. Now you have to take on the responsibility like why wasn't it done properly right and then on the other hand at the same time the bottom is also like you say pressuring upwards whereby um you know if they are not moving if they all want to climb up also um you are basically the one managing them and having to you know sayang them a bit when things go wrong as well yeah so you're like the shield between both right so that can get quite challenging for some people it's really a lot of art and skills involved in of management. course right? that's why we are here today to talk about this so I, th I think we can broadly define the middle managers work into three parts okay first thing i think of us is team management mm -hmm. and this team management is quite high touch right relative to how senior management manage the middle manager it's not very high touch it's uh once a quarter let's have lunch mm. right and then they talk go through the kpis what happened blah 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 right it's very low touch but middle managers have very high touch with their team every day as they are running you are in the grind with them right so they're managing a high touch team this is one thing of the big roles of middle managers the other one of course is managing the kpi success right i think that's what we have established the kpi success towards you know achieving the goals and dreams of the visionaries right <laughs> visionaries right and i think the third one will be managing the expectations from the top right so these yeah. are the three uh lineup that we can we can go with right? so maybe we start one by one now okay we, we start with kpis right, right. Like, as with all great singaporean individuals that are growing up <laughs> in the corporate space kpis what are we measuring right this is always important but you don't always get to decide what's measured right so how do you manage KPI success, right? I mean, of course, the best case is the KPIs come down. If you, you hit it, 
great, life carries on. Maybe you get promoted further, right? But you know, there are many other cases of like, if you don't hit or like, can you negotiate all that jazz, right? So maybe we talk a little bit about KPIs. So how do y'all manage KPIs as a middle manager? There are a few things that I can uh, remember on top of my, of my mind. The first is about clarity and alignment. I think it always happens in a bigger scale kind of company, like not like small startup, but when you have a big size of a company where you have different departments or different teams or different kind of lines of products or things like that. Normally the goals, the KPIs are, are set at the company level and mm. how you trickle it down to different, different teams. It's always the clarity and alignment and prioritization that gets in between of the execution of these goals because people might have different priorities. They misunderstand what you mean. The way to track is not well-defined as well. So each team has their own ways of measuring. How do you execute the how? Like, you know the what to achieve. How do you execute the how? Maybe some people misinterpret it and do the, you know, the way they think it's best, but actually doesn't align with the company wants. So I think this is one of the biggest challenge uh, for leaders, right? Especially at the top, the visionaries. How do you trickle down your vision such that it's clear and all the teams uh, involved are aligned? I think the second thing about KPIs, it could happen in a small, maybe startup pitch, right? It's like, they keep changing. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Like today is this, maybe a few months down the road because they don't see results. They change. So this thing, you just imagine if you are like um, moving a ship, right? You cannot mm. just move 180 degrees in one go. Yes. You have to do it in such a small angle, slowly, mm. gradually, until then everyone is aligned and go to the next direction. So I think this is where uh, two of the biggest challenge in hitting the KPIs. Yeah. But of course, the other thing is like, do you have sufficient resources, people, mm. skill set? to actually uh, hit the target. It's true, it's true. Mm. And as a middle manager, right? Okay, yeah, so I run the network, right? Yeah. yeah, but my team is very small. So technically, I am running like a middle manager, right? I don't have a lot of time to vision, you know? <laughs> it's, like, it's very executional. You know what's next? Where can we find the money? How can we optimize our processes and, and all that? So I, I, I function like a middle manager, <laughs> right. right? So I can attest to that part, you know, where because... Although I am the middle manager, I am also the person kind of setting a lot of the direction of where are we going. So sometimes after you set it right, you need to shop this idea around with everyone. I think a lot of middle managers expect, right? Uh, okay, this is it, huh? Then you expect everything to happen. But, but that's totally not how it works, you know? Yep. Like, when you want to shift everybody, there will be some people that are very supportive, maybe because they already believe in this alternative idea ahead of what they're trying to do now. And then there'll be another group of people that are like, ah, yeah, change again. Inertia. You know? Inertia, there's an inertia. So you must go and shop around with them. Of course, there's a last group that is the no hope one. That means they <laughs> it's true, right? Because they don't agree with the new vision. They become hindrance to the team. You have to chop. Right, that is my base case. Lah. Right, so as much as possible, we try to move everybody. And it comes with things that are not from the textbook. The textbook don't teach you these things. Yep. Okay, you have to, you know, like buy a cup of coffee, you know, like, hey, how is it? Nah? How are things coming along? You know, off the work type of discussion, you know, or even like, you know, sometimes getting another party to help you sell the idea. Yep. Right, like, like, if amongst the six people that you manage, one per like three of them are already on. So then there's this one key person that is not so on. So you can another person go choke choke them lah, right? Hey, can lah, can lah. We try, we try. Doesn't matter or not. Doesn't matter whether the direction, the new direction, is right or not, right? Because it's not, it's not your, it's not within your capacity to decide whether that's a new, the new direction is right. Or not. It's a 
it's a top-down type of situation, right? So your only goal is to convince everyone that let's go, let's go, right? And then meet the KPI. And you're I feel a cheerleader. Like, yeah, yeah. And you're like a mixture of a cheerleader, mother, father, every, <laughs> it's just kind of like, yeah. yeah, go. I classify this as like you are a manager, kind of like leadership, but yeah. you don't have authority. Yeah, yeah exactly. Anyway, like, so you're just given an order. You can have some control, but within your team, maybe yeah. a small scope, right? And most most of the time, you don't have authority. You just follow whatever that is being mm. ordered or in place uh, without having capability to change at the bigger scale, right? And what you mentioned just now, it's actually going to the change management or transformation kind of uh, thing, so right? In in, in, in the organization. Management. Yeah, and, and you are right. I mean, one of the best practice for doing change management is over-communicate. You cannot just say once or present in a you know company all hands. This is it, you know. Everyone just follow. It, it, won't, work. it won't work. Yeah, you need to do it uh, multiple times, multiple channels, multiple people. Even could be a training or alignment with everyone, so that everyone really understands, right? And actually, the other part that is important for change management is you probably should not just give. Okay, this is where we should go because I know it. <laughs> you know, like you, I know the the problem and I know this is the solution. But actually, to actually listen to people first, like what exactly is their struggle. Um, and actually see where this idea that you have could actually solve their problem or not. Because sometimes it doesn't, or sometimes it does, but at least you you listen to the people first so that they can get in line, get the buy-in, follow your change. Yeah, the word is the buy-in. You mm. must really sell it. Yeah. Right? You must yeah. really get the buy-in. If you don't, the, the problem... And, and the, the worst thing is because you are managing and you don't have authority, right? Yeah. So... If they don't get a buy-in, they don't hit the KPI, it affects your performance yep. directly, right? So it's, right. it's super And the buy-in has to be from both sides as well, which mm. I think requires a different skill set in terms of how you manage and communicate that. Mm. You need the top to buy in into the expectations, especially like, no, I think you're being too idealistic. Cannot achieve in three yeah, months. You need to give me five months. Right? <laughs> yeah, not so fast. Or you only give me three headcount. I need six people to deliver at your rate. So you need to communicate that to them, the higher... The the ones on top mm. get their buy-in and agreement on what is a more realistic expectation of delivery and then after that go back to the below the team that you manage and get their buy-in for the solution or idea guys uh, I know last time we said uh, we're not going to work on this until um, next year but you know what company changed and now we only have six months to deliver Mm. and like actually communicating it to them so one way could be like sometimes it helps when they understand that the middle manager is on their side mm. so like because the initial the immediate reaction is huh and then they are against the middle manager correct like we're working on something else we're doing fine why you suddenly change you're the one disrupting our processes but they don't realize that actually the middle manager has already fought a war before coming into their room mm. and when the middle manager communicates that to the team to say guys I know you've been working really hard on this and I of all people would hate to shut the doors on this project right now but you know what we need to move to a different focus at this moment because the company has decided that the, the, it was going to be uh, one year uh, three months but I've asked them to give us six months because we need a time so like you say over communicate when they over communicate that to the team below as well I think that makes their job a lot easier because if they don't get the team buy in they cannot hit KPI then on top will also whack them so they get whacked from both ends yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I find it very risky to walk into the room and tell everybody the news. I feel like that is a very risky move, you know. Like, in your team, let's say we just take six people as an example, maybe two or three are your allies, right? Because if you don't have allies in the team, highly unlikely you can stand as a middle manager mm -hmm. or even a senior manager. 
you must have people that are diehard followers, right? They are with you. Whatever you say, they are more or less there already. You don't need to try very hard to sell. But there will be a few others that are like, you know, they're here because they have to be here or they're here because, you know, they think you're quite cool. They, they, they respect you, but they're not like diehard ally. They will challenge you. So it's always very risky to walk into the room and just say, okay, this is a new direction, right? Usually what I'll do is I'll go and like shop around, you know, with the others that are not so aligned yet. It's like, hey, you know, um, the results don't look very good, uh, you know, and our runway is this much, you know, I think we need to change this, blah, 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 have a good talk first before you go into the big meeting and tell everybody, okay, this is a new direction. You got the mm-hmm. hardest people on the team already. And yeah. then the rest, there's very close one, right? You walk out of the boardroom, one text away, they know already. Uh, hey, management say, I uh, need to change. Oh, okay, okay, I get it. Uh, fucking annoying, but they're aligned because they're your allies. Yeah. Right? So yeah. I think that you need to be a little bit smarter with that whole like, people management don't think this is a stage like go in just say uh, i feel like it's quite problematic uh, yeah, yeah which yeah. is actually one of the most uh number one rules and skill set mm. that you need to have as a people manager as a uh, middle manager yeah, right because yeah. you are a people manager yeah it's true yeah. it's true and so there you- are always detractors no matter what right if, <laughs> even if, yeah, always even, and detractors. <laughs> yeah even even if you think you're a great leader you think people will follow you it's just a given there will always be detractors people who don't agree to your idea and it's always the art of leadership right and i think maybe one thing if i can add on here to get the buy-in right no matter what the goal is explain the why i think simon sinek always says start with the why right if the people understand why you're doing it and why is it important i mean most likely they'll be able to relate and do the thing and even more creative they, they, they use their own creativity to solve the problem along with you but of course detractors no matter what, <laughs> die hard. Yeah, they don't. Gone. They don't understand yeah. the why, and they will not do it. I think it's just a given. Mm. And the thing is, right? I think one thing is very clear that when you sell the why, mm-hmm. your sell will change over time, depending on how big this this uh, shift is and how big your team is. As you sell the why a few more times, then you know what sells, <laughs> because you don't have authority, right? That's our base assumption of a middle manager. You yeah. definitely have to do this is a top down so your goal is to sell this idea down to everybody you cannot shift this goal right so with that right then as you sell you get better at it right you start to know what works this ticks with these people then your sales story will change the why will change a little bit right eventually then you try to get as much buy as possible if not then they detract yeah right so so that is that okay okay very cool any other things no but let's talk about the flattening yeah right so now there's this phenomenon whereby people are all worried that with tech with ai and with better collaboration software and teams is there really a need for the middle manager could they could they be one day be made redundant do you see this being a big worry in the tech space right now? Are you causing right the problem? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be the person. <laughs> <obsolete? laughs> yeah. I don't, don't, don't want to be the person who you guys are pointing to. But um, <laughs> in my view, I think it may not happen. But we know that AI is uh, changing so fast these days. But I still don't think that we, we can run away from having middle managers. Because why? At a certain size, let's say if you aspire to grow, you will need middle managers no matter what. Unless AI can do so many things that all these people do, right? Communication, alignment, prioritization, you know, getting things done. Um, but as long as you do have this challenge, um, especially with multiple teams, you will need uh, middle managers. AI has not reached the stage where we can rely it fully. And in fact, even if you just use AI, right, there, there'll be times where there are inaccuracies, there are like, 
you know like why are they suggesting yeah. this way your database is not clean enough yeah. there's all these problems and you don't know their thought process yeah it's like a black box yeah right? yeah mm-hmm. it is you cannot fully trust that thing right but you yeah. will learn over time right mm-hmm. so and my my take is actually right that middle managers have already been attacked by you know tech for a long time such that their roles are changing and changing and changing in the past a lot of middle managers will be like operational right they'll be managing operations you know like project basis you know or, or even just like disseminating information to and forth right these days email push everybody knows you know like you got project management software maybe last time need five middle manager now we only need one person to manage the software so a lot of operational tasks has already been leaned down, mm-hmm. you know, to all the software. So it's not even about AI. The frontier of AI, of course, is uh, informative, right? In the sense of like trying to derive insights and provide, you know, new ideas, right? And it's not even about further optimizing processes anymore, right? So middle managers are still here. It's just that their roles have changed and the expectations have changed. And if you don't keep up with the expectations, you're out. Yep. I right. think today in this current economic climate as well, there's a lot of fear for those who are in the middle management mm. roles mm. that they'll be the next to get X. Yeah. Because if retrenchment on Which the is rise... Which right fear, you should, yeah. you should fear. It, it right. is happening, it is, right? Yes. With retrenchment happening with companies sizing down, uh, one of the first few roles to go is really the middle managers because they then expect either the leader the top one to now take on that role of managing the team and not have someone in between or everyone else to just step up Mm. and we get rid of the in-between, right? So it's a very real feel. How can middle managers make themselves invaluable and less likely to be on the chopping box? I think it's more prevalent for big big companies, yeah. big and old companies yeah. that are a bit more clunky. The larger the, yeah, the larger enterprise, the, enterprise, the more, the more the legacy. The every time is... saying they got 150 years legacy, ah, that one are a lot to cut, mm-hmm. right? A lot of fat to cut, right? But like the newer, edgier companies, right? They are, you know, they 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 are lean and mean, right? In that sense, right? If they, if they are not, then it's very hard to keep up, very hard to grow, right? Like a lot of my friends that are starting up businesses, right? They, right from the start, they use the most advanced softwares already. Most optimal, you know, then they outsource whatever they can outsource very very lean there's no fat to cut right it's all about uh, top line growth right but for a lot of the bigger companies yeah the, I think I think these things happen uh. but but based on the example you're saying that like, get the senior management to come down to manage the mess I feel like that's still a bit hard lah, because the senior managers are doing a very different type of role right it's very like modeling predictive what's the future you know allocating resources it's a very different top but like the next layer above the middle manager so maybe instead of instead of like the c-suite now it's all the directors who have to take on the role of the manager so let's say Mm. you have like the actual operations the executors right the ones who do the work then you have a team lead who runs the three different teams in that department then you have like the entire department head and now you ask the three team lead because well it's three roles and three salaries that you can save you expect the department head to now manage the three teams but department head still has the people on top of them Uh, uh. so I think that is one something that we're starting to see happening so Mm. what do the three managers in the middle do then how can they make themselves inevitable so yeah first of all I think the fear is real I mean even the developers the engineers also get laid off it's not just the middle managers so the, the key point here is you have to be... Get all the engineers to stop coding for <laughs> software enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I think the key points here is you need to get conversant, like like know about technology because it will not go anywhere. 
even if you want to use AI, you still need to understand technology, right? So get practical, you know, get understanding about technology is always important. Then the next thing is about this, you know, flattening, removing the middle managers. I think this goes more towards the organizational theories or organizational design rather than replacing them fully with tech. I mean, of course, it happened in the past, you know, replacing people with tech, but people will find a new role, right? Instead of fully replacing, maybe there will be a new role. So to me, when we talk about flattening, right? And some companies do this exactly, right? Like they merge teams, they they remove some middle managers, but actually they are organizing it into a certain way such that you don't have a lot of dependencies and you don't have a lot of coordination required. Because if you want to execute a particular goal or KPIs, right? The best is like you give to one team, they execute all the way down without any dependencies or handoffs. And this is where organizations try to move into that area. Like for example, Amazon is one of the best examples of this. Like even they kind of like have this published elsewhere, right? Where Whereby teams actually operate in kind of like a social network kind of manner where they're just given an outcomes and people align with that outcomes and somehow self-organize. While in traditional companies, what happens is you have a lot of hierarchies. Um, maybe you think this is not enough. You build another hierarchies in middle. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's why you will have a very, very deep. And because you have so many layers, right? There are a lot of misinterpretation, misunderstanding. And that's where inefficiencies and maybe, you know, like time wasted just to get people aligned. So I think the idea is for this flattening is basically is to, okay, remove the layers. Um, but also give the teams like kind of like a capability self-organization manner such that they can still work together to achieve an outcome with minimal dependencies, blockers, and handoffs. Mm-hmm. I, I like what you said about the, it is not just about the manager, but the organizational yeah. design. Yeah. So maybe yeah. what people who are in that position now and have that fear, if you're grappling with that fear and asking, am I going to be the next to get kicked out because my organization is going to flatten all of that? Um, maybe the go- good question is to ask, what is the current organizational design? Are there a lot of these inefficiencies? And if you spot that in your organization, then yeah, you might be the next on the chopping board. In this case, Mm. then maybe you want to make yourself more valuable by, you know, being able to do multitask. Yeah, so sometimes I also say like the middle manager has the, it's, it exists because it's a blend of skills, the three mm. things that you talk about, right? But instead of just going for three, then maybe the middle manager can add on even more things. Like you could be a very good engineer, but because you're also very good at managing people, so now you're being put to manage the team of engineers, but they were not ex engineers because they still need the engineers. So if you're also a very good engineer at the same time, you might still be able to preserve your role because they don't then just see you as the people manager of the engineers. You're a talented engineer and you can manage that team. So it's a two-in-one benefit that the organization gets by keeping the person. Mm. No, but actually when I run the team, right? Okay, I, I, I never were in a very big, uh, organization before like, but when I run teams right, I, I, I don't think like that maybe I'm a bit passe like, I don't know but I actually resonate more with the whole like re-op of processes type, type of thing like like in the past we used to have this like social media person that will manage like the, the writings and, and, and all, all those kind of stuff right or publishing on socials and then our editing team is just doing edits right but recently, there was a cock-up in the team process. It's like, why is this not happening? Then I realized that the new person that I hired, my new head of content, has shifted some of these processes such that the social media in charge 
she's already writing all these things, but she stored it somewhere such that the editor, which is the final person that is in touch with the software that needs to go out publish, just copy and paste and put there. Right? So it gets re If not, what happens is she has to write it, the editors uploads it, and then the head of content goes in and clear, and then she comes back in and finishes it up with the with the final like description and, and everything. And then, and there's a lot of in and out, a lot of different people in that whole thing. Very easy to cock up. But now that they they switch it around, right? That it is a like this person only writes, right? And and then someone else like the editor can just put my what's so difficult. Yeah. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Maybe it's a smaller team kind of thing, but I feel like even bigger teams are looking at some of these, like, can I optimize the processes? And and then the flattening of the manager, right, becomes a natural natural phenomenon as these things get re rather than, like, companies are, like, just actively trying to cut out middle managers, right? And and I and I feel like, yeah, yeah. So what, what do you think? Yeah. So I, I'd like to add, so this there's this um, theory called, ma- like, managing the handoffs, right? If you analyze your organization or your teamwork basically, right? And if you see a lot of handoffs, handoffs means like just now your editor, then you have the publisher and you have reviewer. And that if you see so many handoffs, that's like the first sign there will be inefficiencies. Mm. Um, so basically like handing the baton, right? Uh-huh. It's just one way. You don't have back back and forth kind of handoffs, right? So I think in, in a kind of a good organization, right? The flow should be as much Clean. straight as possible. Mm, mm. The handoffs is just one time to the next person in charge. Yeah. Or you can think of it in a coffee, you know, like maybe Starbucks, right? From the order taking to the barista and then to the whoever the customer is, right? It's just one way. Yeah. That's yeah. like minimal handoff. I so, don't need to come back in with it. Yeah. 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 Because comeback means, okay, you there's a rework. There's a also delay. Uh, and then also, so like too many work in progress because this one not finished. You shelve it. You work on other things and then it comes back. <laughs> so there will be a lot of ineff- inefficiency here. Yeah. Yeah, and the other thing I would like to add uh, to what Don mentioned, right? In in, in maybe in tech or uh, in the uh, agile development team, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Agile, all the yeah. terms, agile. all the corporate so, terms. So there's one good practice that uh, people advocate, which is to have a cross-functional team. Mm. Yeah, as much as possible within the team, you have all the skill set required to deliver the value. Mm. And this comes to, for example, one person is not just specialized in one skill but may also be able to cover other things required to deliver the value. What about like managing? So so I think we talk a little bit about like managing KPIs, managing people a little, you know. What about managing up? Right? Managing up is always the, the managing the visionaries, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The detractors are gone already, right? But, but you still got to manage the visionary. As a middle manager, you're essentially the front for your guys, right? Like, like the, the visionaries will not talk to them. Right. And in fact, you will find it more problematic if they start talking to them or start your guys start to talk to the visionaries like, what the hell's going on, right? Like, organization has a structure for a reason. So how do you all go about managing top, managing up? It's a special skill, but definitely <laughs> you need it. <laughs> you, special, you need it. Uh? Yeah, yeah. Special is because it depends on personality, right? Maybe yeah. you have heard about this in psychology, right? If your boss is just a different type than you, 
then you have you need a certain skill to actually convey what you think to him because he will see things differently. Yeah. Right. The other thing is he's your manager at the end of the day, right? Your performance and everything relies on him. <laughs> so you better manage him, otherwise <laughs> you will not get a good uh, performance result, right? And I think the other thing is like. Uh, depending on the style of the manager, he could be micromanaged. He could be totally detached. Oh my god, uh, he yeah. micromanages. So, so, so it's like a complex yeah. thing that you have to navigate depending on the person himself. Yeah, right? Henry, yeah. You, I'm gonna interject you because you just reminded me, and yeah. I'm going to start raving about the number one book. I love this so much. I always tell all my friends and my teammates, and basically whoever asks me if, uh, if there's only one book you can recommend, this is the book. Okay. Right? If I you told me on uh, I uh, desolated island, you know all. Yeah alone cannot do anything and i only can bring one book with me this will be the book that i'll bring okay. and it this is episode is sponsored by nlb you have to be on a very long waiting list because yeah. it's in demand yeah. that book oh, is so oh popular my. yes okay. you can't even borrow the digital one oh. there's a queue for even the digital book what and book i know because is... i just recommended it at another session uh, last uh, week and then all my teammates maybe are like you are the one causing I... the problem no no <laughs> I, my team not so big okay, okay so okay, i told okay. them and then they tried to borrow it and uh, it's like but the title is surrounded by idiots yeah by Thomas something. But basically, the genesis of the book is that it uh, categorizes people into four different personality types, four colors. So it talks about how like one is the, the rate, is the very domineering, authoritative, must have their way, must be in control type. Okay. Then um, Elon Musk is definitely a rate. I think. <laughs> and then you have the um, yellows, which are the peacocks, right? Those who like to be around people. You don't, don't show them data. You must be very relational with them. You must look, make them look good. Then they like you more. They like to be in the center of attention. Then they like to take credit. Yeah, so if your boss is a yellow, then you must fluff up your boss more, ma, and he will like it, right? Uh -huh. So then you have the greens as well. The greens are the very uh, more organic, neutral, yeah. more in, in between, <laughs> not organic, but like they don't want conflict. Uh, they don't want so much negative. Yeah. Okay. So there is a way of managing them as well. Mm. And then there's also the blue, which are the super analytical, must mm. give data, must give text one. Mm. Like what you said, um, for the middle manager to manage upward, one thing I believe very strongly is, is you must know what is your upper person style and your own. Yes. Because we tend to manage in the way that we want to be managed we, or we would like to be managed, right? But actually, the person speaks a different language. Whereas on the other hand, um, if the the person on top is very data-driven. So then, like I have people above me who are very data-driven. In order to convince and manage them, I actually need to put in a lot of data. Yeah, you need to I plow, need to the numbers, need to the sets, prepare yeah. the reports and be prepared before I go to them. <laughs> like fighting. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Because you it's are, not managing yeah, up, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. it's a lot of self-awareness to recognize that because mm. people sometimes make the mistake of only knowing themselves. Or they only know they are the, the other person. They never realize that you need to know both because then you will be more aware of your blind spot. Like you may inevitably start to fluff up because you are a yellow ma, mm -hmm. right? So you're like, I, I want to take credit. So you start to make your boss take a lot of credit. But actually your boss uh, is the kind where I don't like to take credit. 
I want people to see that I share credit with my team. So then when the person give all the credit to the boss, now the boss is angry because it makes him look very selfish. Yeah. Yeah, so it sours. And I think that like if I could only do one tip on how to manage Upwork, that would be the book yeah. I'll recommend mm. people to read. And actually, it's not just for Upwork. It's to everyone. relationship with everyone. Yeah. Everyone, right? yes. yeah. So everyone. you touch on a very good point here. People need to understand this. There are different personalities, psychologically researched, right? Yeah. And also... Understand, there are some uh, personalities that is just an opposite. Mm, so mm. if you find this kind of person, right, that means you need either you need to put a lot of effort because right. your perspective is just so different. Are you the exactly. make him a detractor? <laughs> 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 or basically, you find another boss. <laughs> engineer the failure, right? I've heard yeah. this kind of like corporate talk for a long time. Yeah, but but I, I want to add to that. There, right? It means. Um, whatever uh, framework you think about it, right? It can be different love language, whatever, like, how, however you want to, whatever you adopt. The reality is you're right to say that you have your own style and sometimes when you want to work with someone that's of another style, it gets very draining, mm-hmm. right? And uh, given the realities of the game, sometimes you have to be drained, you know, in, in that sense. But realize that at some point, you gotta, you gotta go and recharge on, on this front, right? It's, it's an energy type thing where you expand on this thing, you better go and draw energy from somewhere else. If not, you're going to crash and burn out and, yep. yeah. and all that, right? So it, it's not about your way or the highway. Okay, if you're the visionary, it's your way or the highway, <laughs> right? But if you're the middle manager, it's not always your way. More often than not, it's not. You're just trying to widen the highway, okay? So, and with that, you while you're managing up and also managing your guys, then you might want to be clearer with also like managing your your own energy and emotions and all that and i feel like it is such a common thing for a lot of us to just drop everything that we used to do in the university once we enter the workforce like you know when you're in school right studying is very intense but then you have all these like cca you have all these like community groups you hang out with your friends and once you enter the workforce right this whole you know this whole support system is let go very quickly in a, it just splits Im- immediately it's gone I feel like more of us should try to retain more of these support systems maybe in a different form like okay maybe you were in school you play I don't know like hockey or something right and then when you come out you cannot be playing the school hockey okay maybe alumni team I don't know but you can find another team and continue that sport as a form of support in your life I feel like too often when we transition through different phases of life, we just drop everything from before and we expect to thrive in a new environment just like that, right? And I think uh, it's, it's very hard, especially when you're just entering the workforce or you're changing a new job, even more important. That tennis game that you play every weekend, don't drop it. You know, the more you must go for it, the more you need to, you know, talk to your friends and gossip about the, peop- the new people in the team. <laughs> you know, this just is also to- what the middle managers need to do, right? Yeah. They need to um, be able to keep the team together and organize this kind of opportunities also, yes, for yes. them to find support in each other at work and outside of work. Yeah, but one um, thing I will say, no more lunch and learn. Nah. I just want to eat lunch. <laughs> la. Stop asking me to learn while I eating lunch. La. Okay? But, <laughs> I've talked to many people, they all don't like lunch and learn. I always tell me, can we do lunch and learn? Lunch you lunch, lunch you learn. Don't put together. Lunch okay. and catch up. Ah, okay. <laughs> or lunch and gossip. <laughs> I think that's, that's a really important role and that's why I think also going back to the flattening I agree with you I don't think they can be entirely replaced I think the bulk of middle managers will eventually be made obsolete 
as technology becomes better. But the ones who are very good at managing people, I don't think they ever will be made redundant. Yeah, oh, because yeah. AI cannot read the the pulse of the room. AI cannot figure out when talking to you, what color are you, what personality type are you. AI has to be, you tell me the personality type, I tell you the correct answer, right? But who is the one reading the personality type in the first place? It has to be the one who is good at people management, usually the middle manager. And then the people above the middle manager, they typically just don't have the time. They don't have so much time and bandwidth to sit down, listen to you, complain and tell your sob story, understand your trouble. They just want to go straight to it because they have so many things on their plate. So you still need someone to manage the situation. It's true. Yeah. I think a lot of the senior management, they come down, they have this idea that you cannot, uh, I'll find the next person. Right? It's, it's not as nurturing the relationship. I don't know if, you, if, exactly. if that's the yeah. case. You can see this type of yeah, leader anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. It's, quite, it's quite, and the thing is, I think it's quite common Right, with senior management, they come down. It's not that they don't want to nurture you, but there are too many things to do. They don't have time. So, so they're not very nurturing in yeah. general. They will be nurturing up to a certain kind of... There will be variants across them, of course. You know, they will, they will, some are more nurturing relative. But more often than not, it's very tough love, very quick, very like, you know, uh, if you cannot rotate the next person, yeah. it's not so... Whereas the middle manager has a bit more of the sayang. And the most where, you know? if the senior management have to nurture someone, right, it's usually just the middle manager so because mm. they cannot do so many ma, right yeah. so it's like one person got a lot of things on the plate so only can do like maybe two or three nurture this left hand and right hand person and that left hand and right hand person had to go and manage the different teams which are like 20, 30, 100 yeah, because yeah. that person on top just don't have the time to listen to 100 people tell their sob stories yeah yeah, and you gotta stand out like, if you wanna go further yeah. <laughs> I would like to add on a few things like well, why maybe some leaders tend to do it that way right the first, I think it goes back to the culture of the company. Sometimes, even though you're a good manager, but because you are pressured also from the top or the situation just happened, you know, culturally where people fight against each other, right? Then you have no choice, but you kind of like follow the motion and you also become mm. that kind of, uh, you know, like that kind of, I don't know, like hard boss, right? The other thing is going back again to personality or the way that they perceive success in the past is actually doing it that way. So there are also types of managers that are like that because in the past, uh, maybe they, they learn from other boss that they have as well or they did it that way um, and it, it proves to be successful and they want to replicate it. Um, I think these are the two uh, common, common uh, themes where I see leaders behave uh, this way. Mm -hmm. nice nice mm -hmm. nice okay so i think and i think when we get into like more nitty-gritty it'll be very case by case already mm -hmm. right so if you all have any specific question if you're a middle manager you know don't don't tell, don't talk to me about how bad your middle manager is okay <laughs> that is for another episode okay but if you're a middle manager you know which i think a lot of our listeners are you know based on your pay range i estimate all of you are middle managers and above right so uh, if you have any specific questions, specific things that you want to talk about, put it in the comment section. Maybe we'll do another episode around Q&A, you know, more specific to uh, being a middle manager. But yeah, in closing, is there any other things that you would like to add, you know, for like the flattening of the middle manager? Or maybe like how to become a, maybe one more thing about how to become better. One thing you've learned as a middle manager that the textbook don't teach. 
I think as middle managers, don't have to be so worried about the flattening. But if you are worried, it's actually a sign to go and improve yourself, make yourself uh, more valuable so that the company can't easily get rid of you. And I think for people who are not in middle managers' roles and aspire to be, actually, as long as you aspire to climb up, at some point, you will be a middle manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. most of us, la, you don't just go from one person to all the way at the top, right? Unless you set up your own business. <laughs> That's a different thing. But yeah, most of us will have to climb. So working on people's skills, I think, is the number one thing that everyone, whether in corporate or just for your own marriage and relationship, like we were talking about, everyone needs to learn about people management. So go and read that book. Mm. Don't, don't bother, bother borrowing on NLB. La. Waiting queue very long. Just buy. La. You know, NLB can sponsor. <laughs> right, we put the book here in the middle. It's like, <laughs> what, what about you? And in fact, just to add on, that author has few other books like Surrounded by psychopaths, yes. psych- surrounded right, by. Right. I think recently there's a new, <laughs> the new. No, I didn't read, but I know uh, that author. Right, he published I think three or four different kind of uh, variants. Um, but anyway, my takeaway from this episode is I think if you're the middle manager, you fear about your, you know, your job security and things like that, right? I won't say that you have to learn tech. That's a given. You you all have to be, you know. I won't like, say it's a given. You're expected <laughs> yeah. to know something. You have tech, to, yeah. to know tech. But yeah. I think the most important thing to me is the critical thinking. And the second thing, I call it systems thinking, right? So critical thinking means like how do you, you know, join two disparate kind of problems or ideas and make it such that you can come up with a solution or problem solver in a sense, lah. Systems thinking is basically looking like if you work in organizations, there will be a lot of moving parts, right? And the way I like to describe it in an easier term is like you have to understand, for example, one plus one equals two, right? Uh, if you can be a good systems thinker and generate impact, means like you can have one plus one equals three, four, five, ten. But in a sense also, if you see one plus one equals one, that also must exercise your critical thinking why this system doesn't work as what it's intended to be, right? And that's why all this is very important. Second thing, I think for any leaders, um, I would encourage very, very uh, highly, you need to have a lot of self-awareness, right? And try to think in such a way that it is not about you. It's actually to serve your people, making them you know, change, grow for bigger impact. Because eventually, if all your people can thrive, you will uh, mm. most likely succeed as well. Right? Exactly. So it's not about you standing out or winning or you know people <laughs> rave about you, but actually you should rave about the people, serve them, grow them well, treat them well. And I think, yeah, they will um, also help you to become successful. I, I just want to add to the part about like, it's not about you. Actually, sometimes I think it should be about you, <laughs> right? Like, like because, it, because you need to be incentivized to move up. Right, it's like when politicians come and say, "Oh, yeah, it's for the people." It's like, "Come on, la." Yes, it's true, it's for the people, but at the same time, deep down somewhere, you want to move up, right? And honestly, when I hire managers, right, I want someone that wants it. I don't want somebody that is like all altruist. <laughs> you know, it's like, "Oh, it's for the world, world peace." That one you go do pageant, okay? But like, like, <laughs> you know, world peace. Like, no, like, like. I want people that are hungry, but you need to realize rules of the game is if it's all about you, nobody wants to be around you. Yep. Okay. But you, it must on some level be about you, but this can, but you must also care about the bigger group around so that they will want to stay with you and continue to grind it out with you. 
right? And and yeah. I think that's a more nuanced view of it. Yeah. If I may add on this, right? I I had a guest in my podcast, right? I think Ryan Gottfredson, his name, right? He teach about this concept called vertical leadership. Actually, there's like there are three kind of like mind stages. He said in leadership, the first is like mind 1.0. Basically, uh, these leaders crave safety, like. I don't want to be cut. I don't want to lose my job. That's like the mentality that they have. And the second stage that uh, this leader have is actually I want to stand out. So I don't I don't care about my safety anymore. I just want to stand out. I want to achieve things. I want to break truth. Win, yeah, yeah. Right? I want to go to the next level. And then the third leader is actually already passed beyond that. It's actually to serve people. But you're, you're right in a sense, like leaders have to stand out. They, they have to go through this stage one two and then three you cannot go just to stage three right yeah. because mm. otherwise you won't be a leader you yes. cannot you you don't stand out of course you cannot yeah, be a leader, yeah right? yeah people are not convinced yeah. yeah so after you pass this standout phase you have to think in such a way that you your intention is to serve people it's not to actually just keep on standing out and winning yeah, mm. yeah. fair and and to add to that okay last point if your finances are intact you got more chips on the game you are you are, you have more gusto to move from like I just want to be safe to like I want to stand out, right? Because in order to stand out, you gotta offend some people, you gotta not follow some things, you gotta you know take a different path from time to time. And in a bigger organization, you know you run the risk of being axed, right? Because you become the detractors, <laughs> right? So if your personal finances are stronger, actually your palate to take those things become higher and it may lead to a breakout success. Okay, so in closing, we hope this episode helps all of you who might be in middle management roles or who are about to go into middle management roles, especially if you've been worried about your job safety in this current economic climate. So to get more tips, especially if you are in tech, please go and check out Henry's podcast. But if not, stay tuned to future episodes of Wise and Shine as we talk about how to live your best life and never have to worry about being extra real job. Nice. Her closing Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.